0: What's going on? Welcome into the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. My name is Matt Bernier. You can follow me on Twitter, at Bernier underscore Matt. Today is Monday, May the 2nd, 2022. It is Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby Week. Uh, however you listen, thank you for doing so. Many ways to find the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, In themoneypodcast.com You can also watch along over on YouTube. Search bar, Matt Bernier Show. You will get this episode along with the 113 prior. While you're over there, make sure you subscribe to the in the money media channel that way you get notified anytime new content is uploaded to the in the money media channel you have to make sure the bell icons lit up though and speaking of the in the money media channel we i figured this is this could be my last show for a little while so we had to bring in the boss I had to bring in ptf peter thomas Fornital, fresh off a plane from the uk Pete, I appreciate you uh give me a little bit of time but this is kind of an important show
1: Oh, no doubt about it. We've heard about, uh, you know, D. Wayne off the plane. That used to be the angle. (laughs) D. Wayne, he's got a presence in both the Oaks and Derby. PTF off the plane. Not so much of an angle, but Matt, I'll I'll turn up for you. And of course, throughout the course of this year, we've been doing the little mashup shows on our late week show where we get together and talk about everything going on. So it only seemed like turnabout was fair play for me to join you on this uh, Matt Bernier show ahead of the 2022 Kentucky Derby. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, of course. We needed some expert opinions here as, as the phone's going off. I appreciate that. Back in the States, and now you're not paying roaming charges. That's the way it works. <laughs> so here's here's the deal. We're going to go over. I know last week I did the top 10 and sort of comparables over the past few years as far as the point standing was concerned. This week, just because we're down to it, this is the week leading into the big one. We're going to go over the Derby draw, which happened just a couple hours ago at this point. We're recording at about five on the East Coast on Monday. We'll go over the Oaks draw. And then I'll also give you my top four, and I kind of want Pete to to tear it apart, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever it may be, and tell me where I'm right, where I'm wrong, and maybe I missed a couple things. But before we get into things, let's start off with uh, a word from one of our friends. We've got a few different friends part of this show, but May 7th, the first Saturday in May, it's not just Kentucky Derby Day, it is Monmouth's opening day at Monmouth Park. New Jersey seaside jewel of a racetrack. It's a great place to watch America's most famous race while enjoying a great card of racing as well. And for the first time in over a century, fixed odds betting powered by bet makers will be available on track at Monmouth. And soon it will be available throughout the entire state of New Jersey. This is an exciting new way to bet that really puts the power to get value in your hands. The odds you bet are the odds you get. You'll also be hearing much more about fixed odds betting opportunities Across the In the Money media network for, I would assume the rest of the summer and going forward, Pete. This is an exciting, exciting time where we can get down on some fixed odds.
1: Fingers crossed. You know, whoever wrote that copy, Matt, they should get a <laughs> Actually, the one good line in there wasn't mine. It was from from Brian Skirka. The uh, the odds you bet are the odds you get. That's good stuff. I'm pumped about the season at Monmouth. I'm going to be down there uh, many occasions including they just opened up uh, registration for the Pick Your Prize contest on uh, June 4th it is this year. I think we're going to – I'll be making the journey down. Any excuse to take that boat ride down from Manhattan to to Monmouth is a good one as far as I'm concerned.
0: And that's – correct me if I'm wrong. That is always one of the most well-backed contests that we have really coast-to-coast anywhere in the country all year.
1: It's really, really cool because the prize structure is very flat. So you don't have to go there – and necessarily treat your bankroll like funny money to get any kind of equity the way you do in, in so many of them. And I'm not criticizing contests that that's the case. I mean, that's that's how you have a, a real championship event, right, is you got to be willing to, to to risk it all, go big or go home. But it's also nice to have a contest where you, we've seen years where, I may be exaggerating, but not by much, the 24th place finisher gets an NHC seat, especially if you're interested in playing an event like the NHC. The Pick Your Prize contest is a great one for you. But it's it's more than just that. There's uh, seats to the BCBC and also cash involved as well. So, yeah, that's one that people will target. And if you want to be really hardcore, you come in for that weekend. You do Monmouth that weekend. You have some fun around uh, New York City or the Jersey Shore for a few days. You go to Belmont Stakes the next weekend.
0: I was going to say, I mean, talk about, we're really at that point. It feels like it's always the build-up to the first Saturday in May. But then once the Derby actually comes and goes, the real summer racing season is on. Game on from here on. And like you say, you can roll a nice contest weekend into the Belmont Stakes the following weekend. And we'll find out. Who knows? For all we know, there could be a Triple Crown on the line at Belmont Park that second weekend in June. First things first, though, before we get actually into talking about who could potentially be, if there is going to be, a horse going for a triple crown. We talked about friends on the East Coast, friends on the West Coast, Santa Anita Park. Spring racing has begun at Santa Anita with a Friday through Sunday racing week. Santa Anita is offering free trip notes from our friends at TripNote Pros. Uh, You can also find great content as far as analysis is concerned. Selections over on santanita.com from experts like Jeff Siegel and Michelle Yu. And don't forget, you have to back... Some of these great low takeout wagers, they're horse player friendly, the golden hour bets, the $1 minimum pick for the $5 minimum double, the golden hour double that features races from Santa Anita Park, as well as Golden Gate Fields. You've got a player friendly 12% takeout involved in all of those wagers. Again, Santa Anita Park, sananitapark.com for all the information. We've got friends on the East Coast. We've got friends on the West Coast. We've got friends in between. It's a good time to be part of the In the Money Media Network, isn't it?
1: Oh, I think so. You mentioned the great analysis they have on the Santa Anita website. Frank Scatoni and his uh, pick four matrices for both Santa Anita and the golden hour bets. That's one that I look at anytime I'm playing. And proud to say that Frank's actually going to be joining us uh, as part of the In The Money Plus team doing a matrix for uh, Derby Saturday. Folks interested to learn more about that can check out InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus.
0: All right, let's dive into it. Kentucky Derby 148, the posts have been drawn. The morning line is out. Let's start with, well, let's start with the odds themselves. We'll get into the actual posts and and whatnot in a minute. Uh, Morning line favorite is Zandon for Chad Brown. He had become a bit of the the buzz horse. Um, I I figured it would be close. I didn't know if he would actually go off as the morning line favorite. We'll find out what happens at post time. But what was your immediate reaction to finding out that Zandon was the favorite, not epicenter, On Saturday.
1: All right. I'm in a tough position here because it's so easy to knock a morning (laughs) line. It's the most thankless job. What are words you never hear at the, at the racetrack? You you never hear somebody say, Oh, I I should have bet less when they had a winner even more infrequent than that. Do you hear somebody say, what a great morning line? (laughs) So I feel really bad when I tell you, Matt, that my first um reaction to seeing the the derby morning line was uh, i'll have what he's having it, 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 might, it might have been some stiff drinks going on there and i'm not just referring i mean i think the top two in the market are too short i don't i don't think this is a three to one seven to two type of race i mean i i'd wager very strongly that it's not a three to one seven to two type of race and you as somebody who makes odds lines and i'm sure it didn't take you long to 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 compute the fact that you know this is what is this 135 percent line like I don't know. Maybe maybe that's typical for for the Derby, but it's, you know, let the math help you make some of these decisions. And maybe I'm going down the rabbit hole about this, but you know, the morning line, basically uh, anytime you're putting odds on a race, you're meant to every odd represents a percentage chance of winning. And if you add all those together, if you're making a morning line, you want it to be what about 120
0: to account. I, I wouldn't go more than 25, maybe 28 for a race with 20 horses in it.
1: Yeah. And, and then, you know, so, so, so yeah, I, so, so that was one reaction. But then the other thing was, I, I just think it's a little too, I mean, I don't know, sharp people have said, oh yeah, yeah, that, that's right, Zandon's going to be the favorite. I'm not seeing it. I mean, Epicenter, I mean, I understand the hype around Zandon. I understand it's become a narrative, but it's become a narrative, I think, more among the cognoscente, among the the, the the diehards than it has the general public. I feel like Epicenter has done everything to be the favorite. And, and I think the line on Taba is way out of whack and crazy and too high. I mean, th- those were my first sort of three reactions looking at it. And I apologize because it's a thankless job and I didn't make one myself, but I have seen people out there like Tyler Wissman, part of the In the Money Plus team, uh, make a line that I feel like is far more plausible than, than what's out there for the general public.
0: Well, and and first what I'll say about the, the total adding up to, I think it is somewhere in the, the high 130 range. Uh, I understand no one wants to to offend people. And I think that's part of the backlash that I got when I put out my my value line the first time through a few weeks ago, because I had, I don't know, 600 to one shots. People go, how is that possible? I go, well, purely from a math standpoint, the value line or a fair odds line has to total 100. At some point, you got to make horses 1%. And I think, I do understand, you, you don't want to offend anyone. But truthfully, when you think about it from a math standpoint, the difference between a 30 to one shot and a 50 to one shot, is one percent right so it's you're really not knocking them anymore if you make a couple of those 30s 50 I, I can find i can find 10 points put it that way if i if i make a few 50 to one shots and I make a couple 20s 30 i've got 10 points right there you don't need to make fundamental changes to the top of the market if that's genuinely what you believe i'll kind of put two of these together and we'll get into the oaks in a little bit i will say i i respect the hell out of if you believe that zandon's going to be the favorite I respect it. Go for it. Do it because that's what your job is. Your job is to project what the public is going to do. And if you think Zandon's going to go off favored, I would rather have someone do that than just because Epicenter has been the favorite for weeks and months now, just kind of fall in line. Now I'm not saying that's how it's going to go. I tweeted it right after Zandon's last work. It sure feels like he's going to be the favorite at this point, just because I mean, the buzz is kind of hard to get around and, Even if you don't love him on top, if you're someone like me, it's hard to draw up a scenario where you think he doesn't run well or he doesn't perform well. I think he's going to run. It's just a matter of what kind of trip is he going to get and things like that. So um, I I respect the fact that Zandon was made favored, and we got a little bit of a surprise in the Oaks, which, again, we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, Your point about Taba, he's another one that I I feel like I've, I've seen people on either side where he's a bit of a polarizing type where people think he could be one of the most likely winners. Others think he could be off, you know, completely off the board, up the track when all is said and done. Um, I guess let's relate it to the odds at 12 to one. What does that tell you? Is that, does that suggest that perhaps there's some unsuredness uh, on the part of a, a morning line maker of, I don't really know what people are going to do with this horse. Is he going to be overbet? Is he going to be underbet? And you personally, uh, what's your sort of outlook on a horse like this?
1: It's such a fascinating one. He's a very hard horse to make a line on, but I mean, I feel like you're being pessimistic about how he's going to be bet if you make him eight to one, because as we've seen in recent years, so much of the betting market in the U.S. computer, whether it's computer-driven or or on big days, it's it's a lot driven by speed figures. And when you just look at recent speed figures, this horse is a standout. Um, and there there is. There is a narrative associated with him, too. He's just an, he's an easy horse to talk about being an ex-Baffert runner, having made that, uh, you know, seemingly uh, I don't want to say impossible. He made the very, very difficult task of going from a six furlong maiden win to the nine furlong Santa Anita Derby more. I mean, I know you can conjure a trip excuse about Messier having to take on uh forbidden kingdom and, and so maybe you could say messier had a tougher time of it but i think Taba beat him on the square and, and it's probably just better um in like the big picture of life but this is a horse that i respect because the the thing the yin yang of speed figures is on one hand the the negative of speed figures is what i said the market cots to them very very well But the way that I've learned to handicap and the way that I do all of my work is through that lens of speed figures. And I'm getting beat by the horse with two two monstrous speed figures in his top two starts. I don't I mean, hell, maybe I would key him if he were really 12 to one. I think he's more likely to be about six to one, at which point it's just kind of like, meh, that's the price. I'm going to use him over the horses I'm keying. Um, You know, use but not key is probably my uncreative conclusion when it comes to table, but I mean, I'd be shocked speechless if the horse is double digits.
0: When it comes to the pace dynamic of this race, did the draw do anything to change sort of, you know, you and I chatted about it a couple of weeks ago, sort of a, an early look ahead to the pace situation. Uh, you sent me a note, you know, with uh, Craig Mulkowski and time form us with the pace projector, you know, kind of the way that we had talked about it. That's more or less what those folks have. And, and I trust their information as much as just about anyone's, um, did the draw itself do anything to dissuade you or change your mind on the way things could potentially shake out as they go into that first turn?
1: It's interesting, right? Because the previous set, it's been a, it's been a minute before we had like a proper contender draw the one, which of course Mo Donegal got, and I, I immediately asked Sean Borman. Sean and I are partners in a in a future wager. On Mo Donegal at, at 14 to one, speaking of fixed odds. Now, on one hand, I feel like the paper equity of that 14 to one is probably gone with him drawing the rail. Because I think a lot of people are going to reflexively toss the horse. I think he he now well could be a 15 to one shot on the day. He, I just I don't just, I love him still, but there's just not a, there's not a lot of hype about him. And now he drew the one. But two key factors that are making me not uh, rip up my uh, my ticket, as it were, on Modonigo. One is, this is the new 20-horse starting gate. This is not the starting gate with the auxiliary gate, which had the funny buckle and the weird angle, and the horse is basically starting inside the rail. That was a real substantial uh, structural disadvantage to the one that seemed to be somewhat dissipated last year. If you just look at the head-on of the gate, it looks like a much Fairer run out of there. Is it ideal? Is it what I would have picked? No. I asked uh, Sean Borman, like, do, do, are you are you concerned about this? And he also made an interesting point, and which I'd completely forgotten that Arad Ortiz, who'll be aboard Modonegal, uh had the rail last year in the Derby. So he's he's at least had this experience and may have learned something. And maybe for a horse, you know, look from the outside, I thought there was a chance you might see a Modanigal who was a bit closer to the pace if he broke well and got more of that typical grindy pletcher ride from where he's drawn. I'm guessing they're not going to go up into the fray. They're going to just try to break away from there cleanly and uh, let speed go and hope speed comes back. And, and I think, you know, that might be one of the best scenarios for him. Other things that really stood out to me in the draw, I mean, epicenter being in the three is fascinating because this is a horse where they got a big decision to make about what they want to do. And I mean, Rosario's real good. And it would not shock me if, even though he's the innermost drawn speed, if other horses go hammer and tongs for the lead, and he's got a horse to his outside in summer is tomorrow, who if he breaks, will go straight to the lead, I would think. Um, So it's not out of Rosario's capability to be able to break from down in there and and try to position the way to the outside. But man, in a 20-horse field with all those horses coming over, isn't he going to be tempted to just dead send Epicenter? And, well, you know.
0: I, I think, and I think that's not to cut you off, but I mean, we had brought yeah. up that possibility when we talked about the early look ahead, the idea of if you think you're on the best horse, go. But now, now I don't know what real choice you have. I, I think you kind of have to at least establish a position going into the first turn if all of a sudden at that point summer is tomorrow is intent and still has something left maybe you can let him clear off because perhaps you can kind of tuck into the pocket you know i'm thinking of a a trip like mandaloon had last year where he was basically just drafting in behind medina spirit for i don't know the first three quarters of the race before he tipped out on the far turn but i think you i don't think you can afford to just say okay well we're going to let him go out of the gate Smile happy. He's not the fastest early on, but Messier is going to go charge it. I would assume their hope is to have him much more forward than he was in the Florida Derby. Um, I think that's to me, the most interesting aspect of it. I understand classic Causeway's speed. I, I mean, he, it's a little bit pe- peculiar and curious that he's even in the race to begin with after they were initially saying he's going to come out, they're going to go, but I, I don't know that I'm really looking at him as too much of a, an impact on things, but, it feels like your your quality speeds are down on the inside or the speeds that couldn't have a say in this thing and i think part of me to your point going back to mo Donigal, I, you know not just because of the new gate situation but because and even happy jack by, by no means is happy jack a slow horse he's just been running into fast horses in california i mean i would like to think every horse from two to six is naturally just going to be able to outfoot mo Donegal. So maybe he avoids that crush of horses coming over in on him and he can kind of establish a decent enough position down there. I, I don't know. I don't, I really don't, it doesn't change my opinion on Mo Donegal. If anything, I think he's the kind of horse that, you know what, uh, he, it doesn't bother me that he's down there as opposed to, you know, maybe a horse with a little more tactical speed that really is dependent on pulling some sort of a trip. I kind of thought he was going to be going back anyway. And with the other speeds of the horses with quality speed just to his outside I almost wonder if they, you can't help but sort of fall into a perfect kind of position. If you like him, I don't think this a reason to get off and put it that way. I agree. I just feel like my paper equity might make that. You me. know, I thought, I thought there was a
1: world in which he got a little hypey. And, you know, even in this race with epicenter drawn down inside, you know, he was in the 12. I, I think it, I think it would, I think it's actually going to maybe significantly affect what price will be on the day. But I agree that might redound to the benefit of betters. Uh, who, who want to back the horse. So I, I do think, that, I think those are the two most interesting things. And I think that epicenter in the three really gives this a chance to heat this pace up in a way that could be extremely beneficial. Um, I mean, Modonegal still has to deal with the rail, but uh, the other closer, the morning line favorite, I mean, they got to be all smiles, don't they?
0: Uh, I mean, you would think, and, and uh, I was watching the draw and I believe it was Scott Shapiro who brought up, you know, if, if if you had given Chad Brown his choice, you know, coming into the week of where to where to draw from, he probably would have picked 10 or somewhere thereabouts. And it's exactly what they've got. Um, Just the question for me is still it still remains. What kind of trip is he going to pull? I I tend to agree more and more that he is not a one run closer. But by no means is he a a burner. He's not going to be up among the the top flight. I can't imagine he is. And if he is either something horribly has gone wrong, or um, they've been kind of, you know, (laughs) <laughs> they've been toying with this a little bit. And this horse has a hell of a lot more early speed than he's shown. Uh, But I, I do think this should be a, a trip that, you know, and theoretically you never know how anything is going to shake down, but in theory, everything I would assume should be okay for this horse. No.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's, I think Scott nailed it. it this, this is, this is about where they would have picked and to have, you like to see when you want to melt down, you want to see, speeds drawn in places that sort of force their hand to use the speed you you see in racing day in day out in america the the riders when they have the ability to back down the pace they back down the pace when you have a horse like him down there it feels more likely and also having speed drawn on the outside Um, and far outside where, you know, a Messier might have to get used, a Zozos might have to get used. It's not going to take all that much for this thing to heat up and bring the closers into play. And and, and you know that uh, Todd Pletcher and and Chad Brown are cognizant of that. And while, again, Pletcher certainly wouldn't have chosen the rail, I just think it makes the tactics clear, like you said. You pull back, you try to make your run, and you see if you're good enough. And, uh, you know, for Zandon, it's just
0: ideal. All right, producer Craig, here's the first hard cut right here. Pete, winners and losers from the post draw for Derby 148. If I had to ask you for one winner and one loser, who would they be?
1: My winner is Zandon. I mean, this is just absolutely perfect for him to have a draw that feels like it can promote the idea of the race heating up and to be drawn in the middle like that. I've just got to think that that's a really good thing. As far as a loser goes, I'm forcing it, I think, A little bit here because I do think Mo Donegal is good enough to overcome this inside draw but I'm just going to be captain obvious and say the rail is still tricky a lot can go wrong with that cavalry charge of horses coming in he's certainly going to be a bigger price on the day than he would have been had he not drawn the rail
0: I'm with you on the winner I think Zandon is the winner if there is one out of the post draw Um, I've gone on record saying, I think the post draw, you know, I could draw perfectly and not get out of the gate. and It doesn't mean anything, but for this horse, yes, he's one that may need to work out a trip, but I don't think you could have drawn up a better draw for him than what he's got here breaking from post position 10. And I guess, you know what? I don't think it's necessarily that he's a loser from the draw, but epicenter kind of has, I think, I, I think their choices are much more limited than what they may have been with a more sort of outside favorable draw, maybe in the sort of middle of the the gate or even a little bit farther out where you can sit off of a target if you really want from down in there with the other speeds to his outside. I think they have to be a little bit more aggressive, perhaps, than maybe they would have liked to early on. And there's the first cut for producer Craig. Now, (laughs) let's transition into the Oaks. Let's talk about that field. I've mentioned that the morning line, the first kind of surprise was actually in this race, I think for many people, uh, Nest, was installed as the five to two morning line favorite the second choice in the race is kathleen O at seven to two and the undefeated two-year-old champion echo zulu is four to one with secret oath just nibbling at her heels at six to one um did did the nest morning line favoritism surprise you that was i gotta be honest the Zandon piece didn't stun me i was i was quite surprised that he made nest five to two on the morning line this, I think, is one where I have even
1: more sympathy than I do in the case of the Derby. Yeah. Hard to separate these four runners. I could make you a case that every single one of them, based on narrative, has some claim to go as the favorite. I do I, I don't think I probably would have picked Nest. I might have, but it's weird. I'm just such a fan of Kathleen O, that might be influencing me that I thought there was a world in which she could be favorite. All the ones next to the name of Echo Zulu, I thought there was a chance you, you you could make her be the favorite. But as good as Nest looked, as imperious in victory as she was, um, the, the the big name connections associated with her, the number, I don't I don't have a problem with it. But it's it's one that I'm just I just don't have a strong opinion between this. If you made me um, nitpick about it, I can't
0: imagine Secret Oath is as big as six to one. Can you? Well, or let, let me, well, let me answer that first. Um, I guess the thing is, if she's going to be six to just purely on numbers, if you've got four Phillies, six to one or less, I mean, that does mean that everyone else is going to be 15 or higher. In, in, for the most part, you may True. have one that nibbles at 12, but that means that somebody else or one or two are going to be even higher than that. So I suppose out of the four, I think secret oath probably is the longest price of them all. And perhaps a little bit of it is recency bias or in her case, people being a little bit uh, unkind for the fact that she, she didn't run poorly in the Arkansas Derby, but you know, I I saw someone point out if she had gone in the fantasy and won by 10, would she be six to one in this race? Who knows? She's still a little bit light on figs compared to some of the other girls, but um, you know, I just, that's the thing that I'm most interested in. Is it genuinely going to be those four and then a chasm, to everyone else which again purely on numbers that that's kind of how it has to play out if you have those four that are going to take such the alliance share of the money um the thing i guess that i was most surprised with and a partially because i like nest i think she's a, a very logical and prime player to see Zandon be three to one to epicenter seven to two i was a little bit surprised to see nest five to two to kathleen oh seven to two I figured maybe they would be all really, and and I know a lot of people then would throw shade for saying, well, you got to make a call, you got to make a decision on someone. But I, I genuinely could see the three of them, and again, I, I'm, we're splitting hairs. They're separated by what three points? Um, I, you know, I, I could see them all living in that sort of three to one, seven to two range with Secret Oath at six, and then everybody else at fifteen or higher.
1: If you'd made me make this line, I would have done it more the way that you just described. I don't think anybody's five to two. I think there's too much. There's not enough in it between the four big contenders to make anybody that that short. And I do think that, you know, I get it. The culture of making a morning line is what you said, make a call. But the reality of what mar- the market's going to do isn't the market doesn't do that.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly
1: sorry. the market is a far more accurate representation of the actual implied odds of a horse winning than anything you're ever going to see from even the world's best morning line maker everybody i mean that's that's been proven in study after study in horse racing in aggregate there is no better handicapper than the crowd so yeah i probably would have had it be a a really weird looking morning line with a with a maybe a you know of whatever would have to, I didn't do all the math, but, you know, seven to two favorite, you know, seven to two and five to one with those four Phillies in it. When I look at the longer prices, there's only two I feel like are going to be shorter potentially than the morning line. Um, I don't think it makes sense for hidden connection to be 20 to one. I mean, I'm not saying I would have had her single digits, but I mean, with the form uh, with that form line to echo Zulu, I, I just, I think she's meant to be, a 12 or a 15 and i also think you know there's been a little bit of talk we've had uh, uh had a lot of conversations with people who've been there in the mornings and shahama is one who's apparently looked very good the pletcher connection uh potentially interesting storylines as well to get coverage in the traditional media with shahama i would think she'd be more of a 12 or 15 but you know in percentage terms i'm really just um picking picking nits here it's uh it, I, I do think it's in terms of if you were making the line in terms of what the actual market's going to do, it is the top four. And then there's everybody else.
0: I, I would love to, I don't think he would ever say it, but I would, I think Steve Asmussen, if you gave him the opportunity to flip Echo Zulu and epicenter where Echo Zulu is down on the inside and epicenter draws sort of middle of the field, I think he would do it every day of the week because <laughs> Echo Zulu, while I'm not doubting that she could sit, To this point in her career, she's just, you go. You go right to the front. Whereas with Epicenter, it feels like they would rather not get involved too fast, too early. They would rather, if things do heat up, be able to just sit off of somebody's flank and say, fine, we'll go whenever you want to go. But we're not going to get into some sort of a game of chicken. Um, Now, perhaps the roles are reversed. And I don't know that that's ideal for either. I don't know if the Phillies necessarily one that wants to just comfortably raid off of someone. You know, the Phillies drawn to the inside. By no means are they complete speed balls, but Yugiri is going to be very forward. You would think Hidden Connection is going to use her speed down there, breaking from post three. I, I don't know. I mean, do you do you take anything out of that? Do you put any stock in that idea? And I, I guess if you're Rosario, what do you think the plan is on Echo Zulu?
1: There's a lot. There's an awful lot of pace in this race, I think. I mean, and on pace figures, just looking at time form, Yugiri does project to be faster early than, than Echo Zulu. And, and that could be a problem because I, I don't think, I mean, yeah, she may, she rated um, in her maiden uh, five and a half race, but she's been a go to the lead, stay to the lead. And, and I think it's it's tough to get off of that plan here, especially, I mean, the thing about Rosario that we've, we've talked about in certain contexts, it does feel like his best rides, I mean, look, he can pull a good trip flopping outside and stalking. Yeah, I mean, more than capable of that ride. But I feel like, Given his druthers, he'd rather go to the lead or he'd rather be a holdup. And he wouldn't want, he doesn't want to be... I certainly don't think he wants to be mid-pack. Um, now, looking at pace figures here, there's a chance he could flop outside of Ugarian and get a, a really good trip. But I would think he's going to go. I would think this pace is going to heat up. And I think it's going to really benefit a runner like, uh, like Nest.
0: Is there any one specific horse in here that you think is necessarily one that you, you want to give another look to based on the way everything played out? Or is it just kind of, you know, in a race like this, obviously a much smaller field than the Derby itself, you, things just more or less kind of sort themselves out when you deal with fewer horses, I feel like.
1: This race post-draw didn't really change my opinion at all, honestly. I think it sets up very nicely for the two that I wanted to key the majority of my action around, and that's Nest and Kathleen o, Because I do think that having Yugiri uh, having and, uh, and, and Echo Zulu in there um, with plenty of other horses who have some pace is going to force the issue. And I think they should both be able to, should both be able to get pretty good trips. It's, it, it just doesn't seem like we're going to get as crazy. You you don't see as much craziness when you're dealing with 14 horses in our field as you do when you get the full 20.
0: Producer Craig hard cut. Number two, the Kentucky Oaks draw. We know where all the girls are going to break from on Friday afternoon PTF give me a winner and a loser if you can we just talked about it a little bit doesn't seem like it's necessarily as important as the derby draw but is there a winner and is there a loser from this year's oak draw? this
1: changes my opinion much less this draw than it does in a race like the derby it really just enhances my opinion that the closers are going to have a good shot and the closers I'm interested in are the morning line favorite nest and also Kathleen O I feel like if you wanted to conjure a loser, I think you could say Echo Zulu, just being drawn next to other speed. That's a very subtle thing in race design that I think can be a factor. When you're drawing, and we see it in the Derby too, with with Summer is Tomorrow and Epicenter being drawn right next to each other. I think it does promote the idea of using that little bit of extra juice out of the gate to try to establish position. Uh, and and you just feel the pressure all that much more when the big pace rivals next to you that's what happened to echo zulu here so i don't love the draw for her
0: i was gonna say for me i don't know that it's an overwhelming winner or an overwhelming loser i think a winner in this case could be nest simply because it feels like there are speeds around her they're gonna go she can sit just back kind of similar to the way she won the ashland and who knows if she replicates that performance if she does she's gonna be tough and to your point echo zulu you know, there is other speed and specifically drawn just to her inside. And it'll be very interesting to see what kind of position they want to take up with her as they enter the first turn at Churchill Downs on Friday afternoon. And there's cut number two. See, it's like we've done this once or twice. Now, it may not be brilliant, but we, we got it done. This is uh, going to be,
1: we're going to see a lot of this on Horse Player Happy Hour, in, in, which yeah. comes back in June, by the way. We're going to do a lot of this.
0: I was going to say, this is like a dry run in a way. <laughs> uh, Because I'm not going to dive into the Oaks just yet as far as the full-blown picks are concerned. Well, I shouldn't say that. I will. I'll do it with you. You're going to do it? You're going to do it on the fly? Yeah, I'll do it on the fly. I I got got fair odds laid out and everything. Okay, let's do it. So, and obviously I'm not going to ask you for any of your opinions. You still have the late week show coming up. Final answer. We
1: got the the final answer show, the live show, Wednesday night in Lexington. We're going to stream it live. And we're, we'll give, uh, yeah, that, that'll be that'll be my, like, official official. Um, and then there's more fun content, too, coming down the line. We'll do, you're off the hook for the Q&A. We've got J.K. J.K. is going to pinch it for you for the Q&A this year. But then we've also got the Pro Player Roundtable, uh, late Thursday night, annually one of the most popular that we're going to do with Sean Borman and, and Paul Matisse. But, yeah, my, my big final spiel will be in the live show Wednesday night if you follow me on Twitter at Looms Boldly, the In The Money media feed. You'll you'll find the link to that. You can watch live or watch it archived on YouTube or obviously um, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. But yeah, this is your final answer and I'm glad we get to hear them.
0: And, and don't forget all the great content over on In The Money Plus. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to do that. Um, so I don't have them necessarily one, two, three, four, like I do with the Derby, which we'll get into in a minute, but I do have an odds line put together. And I'm curious, I want to hear if you agree, disagree, too high, too low, whatever it may be. Um, I'm not going to go through the whole field, but I'll give you the top. Well, I'll give you the top four and then I'll give you the Philly that I've suddenly become very interested in. Um, I have nest as the most likely winner at four to one. Now she's five to two on the morning line. If she does go off at five to two, I think that's too short to your point. This is a race that it feels like it's hard to really make anyone that short. Um, I have Kathleen O at five. I'd be lying if I said, especially coming from someone I respect as much as I, respect jay privman so i had him tweet something about kathleen O the other day and he said usually this time of year they're all running they're all working well they all look great he goes i eh, thought she was thought she was just fine and uh, you know i don't know that i need just fine going in to the biggest race that any of these horses has run to date uh, against the best horses that any of these horses have run against to date uh, and i just don't know if i need a short price there so i'm a little bit concerned there i'll keep an eye on that but You never know. Some horses are morning glories and others don't look great in the morning and they still go out there and run well. So I have Kathleen O at five to one. I have Echo Zulu at eight to one. Secret Oath at 10 to one. So there are your four. They are the four top choices in the market. How far off am I? Do you agree with any of it? Feel free and and be honest, tear it apart. I want to hear it.
1: Well, the first thing we have to say is there's a huge difference between when we're evaluating a morning line and when we're evaluating a value line. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the show and, and, you know, some of it's just math, right. In a, in a morning line, you're meant to guess what the public is going to do. That means you want to put in, you know, with each odd representing the chant and implied probability charts online, you can get into all the particulars of this, but you know, you're you're supposed to guess what the crowd is going to do. Now you, you would be the worst thing you could do as a gambler to make your value line and put it up to 120. It would almost assure that you were a losing player. (laughs) <laughs> because we're not trying to beat the takeout as gamblers. We're trying to win money. And that means you have to put your line to 100 points. So right then and there, I just need to start with that. Like, you know, if you, know, if you were telling me that was a morning line, I, I could tell you six things that I think are going to be different. But that's not, that's not the point. I think one really interesting thing is Kathleen And it'll be interesting to see about how this narrative plays out about her not being a good workhorse. I mean, I, I don't disagree with Jay. I don't think she's an impressive workhorse, but I don't think she's been an impressive workhorse before all the giant figures and impressive races she's run either. It would make me terrified if she was some horse that was like, oh my God, she breathes fire in the morning. She's so good. I, I think Catalino might have a little bit of Allen Iverson in her. You know what I, mean. <laughs> I, I, just, I just get the impression that she's not practice. a big fan.
0: She's not, not a, a game. Not practice. a game. Yeah. Not a game.
1: Not the race. Practice practice and and i mean so so knowing that historically you know folks i know who who were watching her in, in in florida before um her other efforts but i can sort of i feel like i can control for the mediocrity of the works if that makes any sense yeah no, i agree it's not it's not exciting and it does probably make me in my own estimation if she was breathing fire and working i, I might tell you she's she'd be value at 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 three to one and, and I have to, you know, I think I probably split the difference between your line on her and and the morning line on her. I just, I just think from what we've seen in the afternoons, she's very, very good, and the race should be run to suit. I tend to agree with you that the morning line on Nest is probably too short, and this is one of these funny ones where being a pundit and being on all these shows and podcasts and everything, it can kind of ruin you for gambling because I'm going to talk in so many different forums about how much I like nest and how I think nest is the most likely winner. And you know, there's when you're a pundit, there's something more than money when it comes to picking winners of races like the Kentucky Oaks. So I'm going to probably bet nest more than I should in the sense that you're probably right that, you know, she, she's very likely to represent to not really represent theoretical value from a gambling point of view, but I still just, like, I just, I like her. And, the, and, you know, you get in huge, huge trouble in the big picture of life as a gambler betting on horses that you, that you like. Because at the end of the day, you know, your approach is exactly right. We're not betting on horses. We're not betting on teams. We're betting on prices.
0: Someone pointed out to me when I put out one of my... Uh odds lines uh it was a couple of weeks ago now and they said well it looks like you're not going to be making any bets on the race and i said that is entirely possible <laughs> yeah that is entirely possible and i said the beauty is we turn the page once it's over and race 12 or race 13 or whatever it is goes on there's always another race don't just bet just to bet because it's the derby or the oaks only bet if you think that you're getting a fair shake and really because there are so in the amount of times you don't get a fair price or a fair shake vastly outweigh the times you do. You have to make sure that you're only putting your money in when you're getting the best of it. So there's a real chance that I don't get a price. And the other thing to keep in mind, depending on how stringent you want to be on assessing, you know, I'm only going to bet when horses are this price or less because they're more likely winners than necessarily flyers on 20 to one shots. You know, in this instance, truth be told, I should probably only be betting significant money to win on either Nestor or Kathleen O if they go off at either of those prices uh, just simply because I've deemed them two of the more likely winners even if I got the price on Echo Zulu I've only given her 11 you know it, it's not like I'm, I'm or 12 percent it's not like I'm sitting here saying I think she's a slam dunk so you got to factor that in as well that you know we, we joked about it I remember one of the horse player happy hours last year you had just bet earlier in the day on a horse over in the UK that went off at something like I'm making it up six to five or seven to five, but you felt they should have been three to five. And in reality, those are actually some of the best bets you can make because they are far more likely to come in than a 20 to one shot is, even if you think they should be, you know, 10 to one, that kind of thing. So I think you always have to keep that sort of thing in the back of your mind that there's an element of reality where you gotta sit there and go, look, I I think this is going to happen. But I have to acknowledge that it may not be necessarily as likely as one of these other horses to get the job done. So those are the four that I have as far as the top of the market is concerned, as far as my assessment of how likely a winner they are. The horse I am more and more drawn to, and we'll leave, this will be the last on the Oaks conversation. I don't know if she can win, but I went through and and just looking at all the different figures that are out there commercially, you know, who's sneaky good. Desert Dawn wouldn't stun me if she hit the board. I don't know if she can win this race. If you go back and watch that Santa Anita race, I understand she had a great pace set up in front of her. She took advantage of it, and she almost didn't get the job done. But if you watch the tape, to me, she is the the case in point of a horse who, when she hit the front, she pulled herself up. She basically idled. She had, I believe it was Adair Manor, who came back on the inside of her, put a head in front, and then Desert Dawn rallied and ended up getting the job done by a head or a neck. I think the, the ride would need to be timed brilliantly. But if this pace does heat up, I have no doubt about a mile and an eighth with her. I, I don't know, again, if she's good enough to win. But if you're someone looking to play a try or a super, or let's say you do think it's pretty formful at the top, and let's just use Ness and, and Kathleen O as examples, guess who can help things out a little bit? If you can get Desert Dawn underneath, it's going to make up for some of that, that loss that you're going to have.
1: I could see her hitting the board, and I could see her being positioned ahead of these deeper closers, but yet having finished potentially peaking in her third race of the form cycle. Another interesting thing, and this is, it can be an interesting angle on Derby and Oaks day when you get these really top level connections that most of the people, the, 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 the once a year's they might not even know who filled the motto and Umberto Rispoli are, <laughs>
0: you yep. yeah, 100%. You get,
1: you're getting sort of the benefit of anonymity on the, on the big stage. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's nuts at all. I mean, my one of that ilk would probably be hidden connection. If I were to, it's only academic. Cause I don't think Echo Zulu is going to be a price that I would deem her bettable at, you know, I think there is a, there is a world in which she just proves the best speed and yep. she really desperately needed the last race and, and she moves up an absolute ton and gets the job done. That is a plausible scenario. It's not likely enough that I'm saying, you know, I'm not going to really nitpick you putting her as far out as you did because that ain't going to happen. They're going to bet her and and she's going to be an underlay. But Hidden Connection really is going to be, you know, very likely um, four times her price. And is another one who, you know, was I think pretty short for the seasonal debut, moved up last time, didn't have the easiest trip, guess I don't love the draw for Hidden Connection in that she might have to use speed and get caught up in things a little bit. But I do think she's one who's just likely to offer a little bit of value in this race and one that I'll certainly be having in the mix underneath. And if I make a decision to play against Echo Zulu, and I think I am going to play against Secret Oath, uh, I'm going to just take the view that the Arkansas Derby was a slow race. And there are no trips in slow races. I'm just going to let all those horses, you know, beat me. And it, granted, if Secret Oath wins or something, maybe I'll look again at the Arkansas Derby horses on Saturday. But, but for me, if I'm willing to play against Secret Oath and Echo Zulu, the idea of trying to layer in a desert dawn and a hidden connection with Nest and Kathleen O, I could have a lot of interesting trifecta combinations that could pay a whole lot of money that aren't going to cost much to, uh, to, to, to place.
0: Not, not factoring in the pace, time form US, Desert Dawn, last race on par with Kathleen O from a, a, another figure maker that uh, I, I will not name because I do feel a little bit bad when I just like throw out the numbers that all these other people have put out that go buy their continents, good stuff. <laughs> uh, she is the fourth fastest in the race. So, and she's not miles behind some of these others. So I just, I, I think if you, again, she may not be good enough. She may run... She could be one of those horses that could run 12th out of 14. Yeah. Or if the thing turns into a barbecue up front, she can come with a run. And again, if it's purely a matter of timing the ride, I liked her as a two-year-old last year too. I thought she, she felt like the kind of filly that would run all day. I like being an Alabama type. And for her to do what she did, I actually looked at it as a positive that she sort of idled when she hit the front to me, it, it showed that there is more there. It's not as though she was all out to get it done. She was all out to get it done because she just lost focus. You know, I feel like if she can maintain that, she goes off and wins that race by by a length and a half or two. She runs faster, and who knows? Maybe she looks even better than she does coming into this spot. It's an Let's interesting mission. About- yeah,
1: one more thing on her. She's just a funny one because I absolutely agree. If all you watched was the tape, you'd be like, "Oh my god, she wants to run all day." And then you look at the pedigree, and I, I'm not exactly I sure where it's coming from. But in that situation, I you know you're you're a more astute. Race watcher, than uh, you know, I'm, I'm more paper oriented than i mean obviously. I, do, I have some of the skills of watching and understanding what, the, what I'm seeing, but I'm more paper oriented. But I think from the way that you look at the world, I mean, all these points you're making on Desert Dawn are very interesting and, and do move her up for me.
0: Now, this is when I really need you to tear me apart. I need you to come through and say, Look, you're, you're missing X, Y, and Z for the Kentucky Derby. Everybody's favorite race to bet on, whether you or i or anybody else thinks it's the best race the worst race the whatever race the anomaly that it is um i think there are five horses that can win i think zandon messier taba mo Donegal, and epicenter those are the five that i believe can win the race everyone else i have at 20 to 1 or greater and it's not again it's not necessarily because i don't think they're good horses it's just out of 20 horses you got to make decisions somewhere um in reverse order, the one horse I don't have in my top four is Mo Donegal. And it's simply because he just doesn't have the early foot that the others do. The others are going to start in front of him. He needs to work out a trip. If he does get a clean run, he's going to make any, whoever's in front of him earn it. Because you know he's going to finish. I have no doubt about that. I can say the same thing about Zandon. I think Zandon's a bit handier. But I go back to that run in the Remsen last year. And yeah, they were they were playing bumper cars down the lane there probably should have been a disqualification but I, I do there is something to the fact that mo Donegal. i think he kind of wants to get into a fight i think he's a bit of a fighter not that zandon wouldn't go on but the reason i have zandon slightly ahead of mo Donegal is because i think he's a little bit handier the other horse i have at nine to one is messier and of the three he would be the one i'm most interested in i have picked him third i picked zandon fourth messier is the horse you had brought it up one of the first ones i heard talk about it the real scenario that he works out the trip of all trips just simply because he's fast enough to get that position early. He doesn't have to have the lead. And boy, if all of a sudden I have to, if I inherit this thing from summer is tomorrow and I'm turning for home on the lead, you know, with Johnny V aboard, I'll take my chances. That's not a, that's not a bad place to be. And I believe it was Chris Larmy also brought up. If he doesn't finish second in the Santa Anita Derby and instead wins, isn't he vying for favoritism or close to it? and in that lens it makes you look at it and go well let's say he what, what is he he's 8 to 1 in the morning line i made him 9 to 1 if the result of the last race is slightly different he's probably half that price or maybe he's 9 to 2 instead of 8 to 1 and again really what's the difference because he didn't finish in front of the other horse again in the eye of the beholder my second pick at 6 to 1 is epicenter for all the reasons we've talked about he's versatile he's done nothing wrong Um, more and more after you and I spoke and I I looked at some more numbers, you had brought up that perhaps he's a little bit vulnerable. You know, you look at some of the numbers it's aside from the buyer. He's not the fastest on any of the other numbers that I've looked at. And that is a little bit of alarming to me. Um, I, I still like the fact that he has arguably the most malleable sort of running style out of all of them. Um, but then again, for the reason we talked about with the post draw, I think there's a real chance that, you know, he they're going to have to probably make a decision sooner than they would have liked to with him as far as the race itself is concerned. And the horse I've picked to win, and if you had said this to me in February, that the horse I'm picking to win had never run in the afternoon, I would have said, you're you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, and the fact that I made him four to one. I think Tabe is going to win. Um, and I I wrote about it for NBC Sports Edge. The article has gone up already. I I guess... More and more, I looked at it, and feel free, please, cold water it. I know there are many people out there that will down in the comment section beneath the video player or on Twitter at Bernie or underscore Matt. Is this one of the? I would feel so silly if Saturday night this horse goes and wins by two or three, and going into the race, he was very clearly the, the fastest the all skirt. around on all, on all fits. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to. I mean, he's he's far and away the fastest on one set of figs. He's pretty much much the fastest on one. He's tied for the fastest on another. He's tied for the fastest on another. Uh, to me, the only reason you're not all in on a horse like this is because you think it's either too much too soon or you're bringing the Baffert factor into it, and that's totally fine. I'm I'm not going to try to convince someone otherwise. I'm just telling you my train of thought. I would feel very, very silly if Saturday night, this horse goes, wins by two or three, And by the way, pays, I don't know, 12, 14 bucks. And I go, I I mean, did I get in my own head? I feel like it's almost back in math class in middle school, that kid, the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't overthink it. He's the fastest horse. Maybe this is a lot. And the last thing I'll say before I want you to tear it apart. People have brought up, he's only raced twice. Factually correct. (laughs) Isn't it, isn't it different? Everyone's oh, I mean, there's no horse has ever done this in 100 and some odd years. This is 148th running. The way the modern thoroughbreds campaigned is entirely different than it was 20 years ago. Never mind 60, 70, 80, 100 years ago. I mean, Zandon has raced twice this year. Uh, a couple of these horses have effectively raced once, twice, uh, unless you think the two-year-old foundation is the end-all, be-all, something that happened seven months ago, eight months ago. I don't know. I mean, are we, are we overthinking it in the way that today's horses are trained? Isn't this more of something that's probably going to become the norm as opposed to the exception? And maybe he just happens to be the first. Again, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to get way too philosophical about things, but I I landed on Tava long winded way of saying that. And I've got him at four to one. I'm a clear, clearly the horse that I'm going to bet tear it apart. Talk to me.
1: Yeah. You're going to be betting Tava. I think, I mean, I don't think he'll be, I think the 12 to one of the morning lines nuts. I think he's probably six to one. If I want he's twelve,
0: mo- by the way, I will I will be at the hospital, screaming. I'm going to be saying we're we're, we're taking out a line of credit on the house, doing all this, and hopefully we're going to pay for little one's college tuition. But anyway, go on. I'm much
1: more in your way of thinking than the morning line maker. I'll tell you that much. You're absolutely right. The way the thoroughbred has changed the way the thoroughbred is, tra- is is trained has changed completely and the past the present is not predicated the, the future is not predicated upon the past in the way many stats people will have you believe stats are meant we say it all the time stats are meant to do a few things knock knock your favorites include your long shots but races are won and lost based on internal pace matchups and basically number one how fast the horses are and number two Race design, in you know how it's going to play out on the track. I'll tell you what, Tabe is a a winner in the post position draw. We did that segment already, but when you look at how this is going to play out, I mean, he's going to be in just a beautiful spot. He's going to be able to let the speed burn off. And I'll tell you what, looking looking a little more at the pace map, even you know, just in the 20 minutes since we talked about it earlier in the show, Epicenter is a real loser in the in the in the draw. I think when you really look at how it all plots out of who's going to be where and having. You know, having good ha- – having speed um, drawn around him that's going to – you know, he's got a chance to get pinned down it looks like um, when you just look at pace figures and, and you look at where, um, you know, runners like uh, uh, Summer's Tomorrow uh, is, is, is going to be out in front of him. And, and you could definitely see – I mean, uh, interesting looking at time for him that even uh, Crown Pride could find himself right there. And we talked about the idea of charge it going forward. All that stuff is going to make it very tough for him – to, to prove the best of speed, I think. I mean, he might. He might just be that good. He might just go and burn them all off. And, you know, that that could happen with Epicenter. I'm not saying he's not a contender, but I'm saying I think that horses that can, uh, some horses that are drawn outside that can sort of sit there and have proven to have kick, I mean, it does bring, I think it brings Messier more into it as a potential best of speed. If, if it is too, but I feel like that's going to work. The Messier idea is going to work only if, it's too much too soon for Taba because I do think Taba is supposed to. If it was just a race and it wasn't the 20 horse Derby and we didn't know that the owner picked the spot last time, and those things have a way of catching up with horses sometimes. If it, if not in the start where the owner picked the spot in the subsequent start, you know, all those things are knocks are legit knocks on Taba that could uh, be for Messier. But if all I was looking at, if there weren't horses, if there weren't narratives, and I was just looking at like numbers on a grid your case on tape, makes an awful lot of sense. You know, I do think the two things for me are the difficulty of the challenge, the mental test that this is going to be for a horse running in six horse fields to go there. I mean, I have to add in, you know, I think like on the raw dope, your four to one makes sense, but I add in a point for that. I add in a point for the mental challenge and I add in a point because I just can't shake how much I don't like owner pick the spot. And this is nothing against Amir Zidano. I had the chance to hang out with it, at the Derby last year, and seemed like a nice guy. And he obviously made the right call already, because to what this, what it did for this horse's value to win the Santa Anita Derby in his second start. I mean, it, you know, it, that decision paid off. It doesn't matter what happens on the first Saturday in May, like from a financial point of view, like that made sense. But I, but I do just, I do just harbor. I, I like it when it's the plan, you know. I, I like that. it for Moe Donegal and I like it for Zandon. you know, they've been dreaming these are brilliant horsemen planning this out for months. And then with, with Table, we've got the whole Baffert Michigas and in a new barn, and you know, and, and the owner picked the spot, and, and they just there's just something about it that makes me not want to key the horse. But I, as I said in the other segment, I'm definitely using him. Um, now you said that I do think there's some other horses that could be that could be heard from in here. I sure. mean, I you've got my You've got my top of the market pretty well. You know, we're very, we're very, very similar as far as that goes. I mean, the, the, the number one horse, I feel like has a chance to make some noise in here. If everything goes according to plan that you didn't mention is charge it. Charge it is a horse. I think who could also potentially get that Taba kind of trip. Um, If he, I think he'll show more speed than last time. He just has so much room to improve and he has a, he has a pedigree. We talk about oh, they're planning this for for three months. You know this. this uh, you, you see charges pedigree. They've they've been planning for this first <laughs> Saturday in May for four years since they picked the mating. I mean, it's it's um it's a gorgeous pedigree. He he's obviously a very talented horse. I would not. I'm not. I don't know what price he's going to be. Um, and I'm not saying I'm definitely using him, but he's one I I feel like you might you might be giving him short shrift. And then another horse who I think is worth. Talking about as as at least a you know not a not a no hoper whatsoever is smile happy. I mean I think he's like absolutely a forgotten horse who's going to be a very very big price who has a lot of reasons to potentially improve in his third start off the layoff who if they go too fast it, and they, and he gets the right kind of trip could be heard from. So th- those would be two I'd want to add in there as, as, as possible winners.
0: So based on uh, smile, happy was the horse I thought was the best two-year-old last year. And I thought his return at the fairgrounds was really good. And to be honest, his run in the bluegrass probably is much better than people have given it credit for. Uh, I think everyone was just so taken by Zandun's finish that, it's overlooked that smile, that smile happy was what five wide the entire way around. And it was a pet pressing the pace and uh pure on, on one number that uses uh ground loss effectively ran the same race that Zandon did. So, uh, and I love that he's paired up by our tops of 94. He's going to move forward. Uh, the thing that bothered me, and it continues to bother me, he, he gets a little goofy at the end of races. And I just think, and I think this is a good, actually a good way to also bring in, you brought up charge it i had someone really give me a hard time and and totally fair fair play they said how can you say you're not worried about seasoning or or you're you're not as concerned about seasoning with taba but you're concerned about seasoning with charge it when charge it has run one more time than taba has he's gone a route of ground all three times compared to taba's one my argument was watching the tape mentally i think taba is a much more completed project than charge it is charge it in the florida derby got very drifty at the end i know he was tired but i also kind of felt like he was kind of lollygagging a little bit looking around and he's by tappet uh it wouldn't be the first tappet to be a little bit goofy trying to figure things out in time and that was the only reason purely the only reason i threw out that if i was involved with the horse which i'm clearly not i would have looked at it and said maybe we go I don't want to say the path of least resistance, but maybe we put the Derby Fever away. We run in the Peter Pan and we get ready for the Belmont Stakes where we're going to have a much softer spot in the Peter Pan. We're going to get the distance he needs, more racing. He's probably just better than those horses anyway. And then we can take advantage of a group of horses that are probably either tired, they're running for the third time in five weeks, or whatever the case may be. But the distance shouldn't be the problem for us and all those things. That's the only reason we charge it. It's not that I don't like the horse. I think he's immensely talented. I just think there are some more things that need to be ironed out there on the mental side. And, you know, you brought up the the piece with Taba taking on short fields. Frankly, that's probably more concerning to me than his third race in, in eight weeks or nine weeks. The fact that, I mean, he's going to go, he's taking on a field that's nearly four times as big as what he's taken on in California. And that, that's not an insignificant obstacle, you know, but the professionalism to me is there. He's, he doesn't do things. He's not a goofball. He doesn't do silly things out there on the track. And, Um, so that's why, I mean, I can look at a horse that has run six times and say, uh, mentally, it's just, it's not there right now. So he's had a great foundation and he's run a lot more than, you know, horse X with two or three starts. But if that horse with two or three starts looks a lot more professional and has his head screwed on, right. uh, I'm probably going to gravitate to him more or less every time before I would go to the one that I think is, is a bit of a work in progress still.
1: I I can understand where you're coming from with that. and, And it's interesting your your case for the alternative path for charge it definitely is uh, resonates with me, and and it makes me wonder. Todd Pletcher has done that successfully so many times. Does he? I, I'm I think it's really just because he thinks the horse. Belongs and, and deserves A shot because we know he wouldn't Be especially you know it is a tap it is a horse Who's supposed to just just keep getting better And keep figuring things out I think it's Really interesting that he That he that he turns up here I think he Must think he's ready to, to turn a corner and this is just bias But you know and I've told this story before Too but the way he talked about this horse When he came on the Gulfstream show before he Ran his first race he really Did sound like he thought he was something special so I'm it's it, at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to price and, and, and charge it as one who I think there is an absolute opportunity is going to get, uh, going to get lost in the betting. 20 to one on the morning line. That's probably right. And he could even be longer than that. that, that that's one. I'm not going to let beat me. I mean, we talked about the math a lot when we were talking about odds lines, the math also really comes into play for these horses that you want to use when it comes to the wagers that you're going to construct. Yeah. You've got a confident key. Like I've got with you know, I'm gonna mess around a lot with Zandon and and Donegal. It costs so little for a good return to put a twenty to one shot on top of them in exactas. You know, I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna miss doing that with with him. I feel like of those Florida Derby horses, he's the one from a trip point of view, from a seasoning point of view, he's the one who has the most reason to come forward. Heck, all three of them. Could come forward, but I feel like charge it's the one that I'm the most likely to want to get stuck into.
0: If I could get a ticket on him for the Travers at a at a nice fat price, I think I'd be excited by that. I think he's, I I think he is, you know, out of this 20 horse field, I, I think there's a fair case to be made that he's a top quarter as far as talent is concerned. You know, maybe maybe oh. even maybe even fewer than that. Maybe he's in the top four purely from a talent standpoint. I just think he's and who knows, maybe he'll run his eyeballs out. And, and again, maybe it truly is just a matter of getting that position early. You know, if he can be much more forward in this race on Saturday and he doesn't have to deal with kickback necessarily or whatever the case may be, I mean, I, he his chances go up pretty dramatically in a spot like that. Before we wrap things up, because we're right about the hour mark here, um, the A-horse, anyway, that it feels like some people are really coming around to and I is... Is the Crown Pride love more to do with the recent run that Japan has been on? Or is it because the horse genuinely stacks up amongst this group? What's your take on him?
1: It? It's one of the great questions of this year's derby. One of the most interesting storylines coming in. I think this is a different kettle of fish than the other success that the Japanese runners have had. This is a horse who, if ignored, I was going to be pretty interested in for third and fourth because his figures, boy, you want to talk about a hard figure to make, um, and, but his figures are, the, the, the different figure makers will have him all over the map. I looked at this extensively. I came up with the idea that, you know, taking ground loss out of it, he probably ran like a 92, 93. I think he's one though, that in terms of stamina, just because the way he's been trained and the way the Japanese trained, this horse will be running at the end. But I feel like he's gotten too much attention and too much love, and there's too much of a story here. And I think it's probably a good guess. I knocked the morning line before, but I think it's a good guess that this is now a horse that's going to probably be 20 to 1 and in that range. And I I was hoping this would be a, you know, real interesting 30 to 1, 40 to 1. Look, I mean, I'm not going to – that's not enough of a difference that I won't still try to use the horse in, in third and fourth um derby markets really weird by the way the win market uh we didn't talk about this phenomenon and and the morning line makers also i'm sure taking this into account there's several reasons for it not the least of which is seeing some seemingly impossible horses win this race in the last 15 years or so but the long shots are kind of never as long as they should be in this race in the win market but that might not be reflective of the price they are in in other pools including um tries and super so i'm still interested in crown pride just because i think the way the japanese train it's all about stamina and i think he'll be running when many others aren't i think he's interesting for third and fourth but i think the love for him on the win end is like a little nutty almost like he you know i'm never gonna you you, you don't you don't you don't stay alive very long um taking bets on 20 to one shots but i mean if this horse was 15 18 20 to one uh, you'd be getting value laying it i, I wouldn't do it but <laughs> i think you'd be getting value doing it.
0: it's not an apples to apples kind of comp but i mean crown pride is a better horse than lonnie was right you know i mm-hmm. mean lonnie ran what fourth something like that yeah
1: i mean yeah they've the japanese every time they've come over that's what they've been like three of them and they've run better each time yeah <laughs>
0: it's As long a matter I mean, it's of time posted-
1: Fourth, I think he might have been like sixth.
0: Oh, was he sixth? sixth? And, then, I, and then he ran on in the in the uh, the Belmont. I think maybe may fourth have.
1: in the Belmont. Let, let, me dig, let me see if I can take let me see if I can take that info up. I hate I, I hate not knowing know. that off the top of my head. But every time they've gone, they've come, they've gone better. And you no, know, there, there's an interesting case to be made for the horse. Ninth in the Derby, fifth in the Preakness, third. Oh God only beaten less than two to creator in the Belmont takes. I mean, and, and, and you're, yeah, you're
0: right. And he had a miserable trip in the Derby, I believe.
1: Yes. I believe very, very away. didn't break very, very wide. And he didn't run bad with the trip he had. He didn't run badly to be ninth, beaten
0: 10. And, and that was Lonnie and again, no, yeah. no disrespect to Lonnie, but I think this horse is much better than Lonnie was. So again, it's not apples to apples. Cause you, you know, the, the fields are different and certainly, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of talk about the horse and, um, You know, I guess, who knows? Maybe this is the year. The the Japanese have seemingly won every race that they run in as far as the big ones are concerned. So would it be a stunner if this horse ran really well on Saturday? Absolutely not. Um, We'll see what happens. But So my top four, officially, Table 1, Epicenter 2, Messier 3, Zandon 4. I guess if you want to go with a five, it would be Mo Donegal. And those are the five that I would look at as legitimate win threats. The difficult thing for me from a gambling standpoint for, for a, a bet like the Superfecta, there's really not much I love underneath. I, th- I think it's, as more time goes by, I just think it's formful. I think the best horses are the best horses. Um, one horse that I would use underneath would be Barbara Road. Um, I don't think he's good enough to win, but I could certainly see him 30, excuse me, uh, third or fourth at 30 or 40 to one. Um, you know, he's that kind of horse that could per- perhaps make something for you. Uh, but beyond that i think it's going to be a very interesting race is there any kind of a, a closing thought from you and again let us know everywhere that you guys will be found as far as uh final answers and things of that or nature of concerned.
1: yeah we got so much good stuff coming up for you this week you know keep it locked on the in the money media channel definitely you want to uh, uh subscribe to the channel you'll get everything on the youtube front if you haven't already subscribed Over on the iTunes feed Or wherever you get your pods Do that too And if you want to like us And leave us a review And all that good stuff We appreciate it as well Because it's just going to be One darn good thing After the other One thing I'm really excited about Naomi Tucker did a little extra For the Monster Pod With D-Wayne Lucas Talking about Ethereal Road And of course Secret Oath As well Going to have We're going to have our man Jason Beam With another extra tomorrow Talking Classic Causeway Because they were left out Of the original one We've got the final answer show Wednesday night. That's going to stream live uh, the pro players Roundtable on Thursday. And then JK taking your place as you have more important uh, business to attend to late in the week. We're going to be doing a question and answer show. If you've got Derby questions, we're giving priority to our in the money plus people, but uh, there might be room for a couple more. if You want to hit me up on Twitter at Looms Boldly or over through the contact page in the moneypodcast.com. Hopefully we'll get to as many of those as possible. And another closing thoughts for you is you know keep your keep your eyes on the prize, my man. What a big week. Uh, very, very excited for you.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we're counting down. This is officially we we are we're well past the quarter poll, well past the eighth poll. We're inside the 16th poll. Uh, now it's just a matter of are we going to get to the wire or not and when, how fast is it going to happen? Uh, I joked with uh, the producer of the, the Derby show, Lindsay Shanzer. Uh, earlier today i said you know the, the only question now is will they see the derby this year or not because it's, it's a matter of are they going to be before or after well we'll find out in time you know they'll come when they want to come but uh, that's why i will not be there i will be back in baltimore in a few weeks uh for the preakness and as far as this show is concerned i will not be here next monday uh, i will be missing all the festivities here for the rest of this week with you guys uh, perhaps the late week show next week, but that's still probably a bit of a stretch. Take your uh, time. I will, I will do something for the beginning of Preakness week. It, it may just be a very quick 15, 20 minute, hey, how are you kind of thing. But um, I, I'll probably be back in that space uh, at that point. So uh, thank you again for for hustling to, to hop off the plane, get through customs, do all that jazz, and uh, get over here to help out. I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, my great pleasure to be with you, my friend. So excited for you guys about everything going on and so excited for the Kentucky Derby as well. When you, You'll you be back when you're ready. And if there's anything uh, any of us can do in the meantime, let us know. It's uh, we've been Great having you, you know, really, we, we went from being um, two guys with a podcast to a media network because of you and the numbers we're doing on YouTube. Now I mean, this is a channel. Basically, it's the channel that Matt Bernier built. So we, we appreciate you and we wish you all the best.
0: And also special thanks to producer Craig, who typically makes all this stuff work, you know, brilliantly anyway. But to throw this together and look, he even made a little slate for us <laughs> in a matter of no time. I said, hey, is there any chance we can do this? He's like, yeah, give me a second. And he (laughs) did it. So thank you, Craig, for for helping us out here for this little bit. This isn't usually how the show goes, but again, we appreciate it. Uh, That's going to do it for episode 114. Let's call it the Derby Show, the Derby edition of the Matt Bernier Show. Again, however you listen, thank you for doing so. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Podcast.com. You can watch over on YouTube, search bar Matt Bernier Show. You'll get this episode along with the 113 prior And as always, with any of the the forms that you take it in, please rate, review, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Make sure the bell icon is lit up. That way you get notified anytime. New content is uploaded to the In The Money Media channel. I'll be back in a couple weeks. Until then, best of luck. However you play, whatever you play, wherever you play. Derby 148. This has been episode 114 of the Matt Show.